From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good to have your company. We'll get to Prue McSween very, very shortly. Now, I have a story I wanted to tell you about from the Wall Street Journal. You've been hearing about Vladimir Zelensky and his plea, both in the media and in Congress, for more money. $60 billion he wanted. He ended up getting $200 million. Well, the war in Ukraine, according to the Wall Street Journal, has devastated Russia's pre-invasion military machine, with nearly 90% of its pre-war army lost to death or injury and thousands of battle tanks destroyed, according to a newly declassified US intelligence assessment shared with Congress. I find it too coincidental that all of a sudden a declassified intelligence assessment finds its way to the Wall Street Journal when Zelensky is trying to give Joe Biden a Chinese burn and get $60 billion out of him. It's awfully convenient, don't you think? The intelligence assessment, according to a congressional source, says that 315,000 Russian personnel have been killed or injured since February 2022, or 87% of Moscow's pre-war force of 360,000. I'm not suggesting it's wrong. I'm suggesting it's terribly convenient to have been leaked at this time. Russia has also lost nearly two-thirds of its tank force, or 2,200 out of its 3,500 pre-invasion stock. While it is widely known that Russian President Vladimir Putin's military has sustained vast losses in Ukraine, the assessment provides new details about the extent of those setbacks. Can I just say, though, if that is the kind of loss that Russia has sustained, if, don't tell me that a similar loss has not been sustained by the Ukraine army and the military. We're hearing firsthand of stories from soldiers about who they're fighting with and alongside. Some of them can't swim, some of them can't run. Similar losses have occurred on both sides of the equation, I would have thought. Let's get back to Gaza for a second. Hostages hauled into Gaza during Hamas's October 7 attack on Israel were drugged to keep them docile in captivity and subjected to psychological and sexual abuse, according to a specialist who has met with some of those freed hostages. Um, Renanan Itan said on Monday, he's a leading psychiatrist, he said, I've never seen anything like this in 20 years of treating trauma victims. The physical, the sexual, the mental, the psychological abuse of these hostages that came back is just terrible. We have to rewrite the textbook, he said. Dr. Itan, director of a psychiatric division of the Tel Aviv Medical Centre, said the centre had received 14 ex-hostages released by Hamas, some of whom reported being drugged, including with what doctors believe were benzodiazepines, a class of depressants, with a sedative effect that includes drugs like Valium. Um, that, I've got to say, is not necessarily critical. Benzodiazepines and Valium is not a critical um, drugging of hostages. To keep them calm, to keep them sedated, that's the kind of drug you would use. It's certainly not something over a period of a month you could get hooked on. Um, but they wanted to control the kids, he said, and sometimes it's difficult to control young children. One of the girls was given 
ketamine for a few weeks, which is a powerful disassociative uh, anesthetic known for giving the recipient a sense of detachment. He said former hostages had also described psychological torment at the hands of their captors. One was told his wife was dead when, in fact, she was still alive in Israel. One patient said she and others were held in total darkness for more than four days. They became psychotic and they had hallucinations. Um, and then it moves on to others being the victims of sexual abuse as well. No details on that. Um, that's some of what we're hearing. Once again, be prepared to understand where the information's coming from, and that's from a Tel Aviv psychiatrist. This is TNT Radio. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is that time on a Wednesday, at least where I am in Sydney, Australia, and it is Wednesday, of course, in London, just gone 5am, just gone midnight in New York City and 9pm in LA. I've got the founder and director of Verve Communications. Prima Sween, welcome back to TNT Radio. Hey, Smithy. Now, look, you can't see me, but I can hear you. It's so weird. I don't think I'm <laughs> cut out for this technology stuff. All <laughs> oh, right. So your pictures are not uh, with us today, only your no, audio. No, no. So I could be doing this in the nutty and you wouldn't know. No, 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 no. Please take that vision out of my mind with all respect to you, please. Yes, thanks a lot. Please. Hey, listen, Australia has a new Labor government in place and despite the hugs and kisses between the US president in Washington recently, uh, there seems to be a new less aligned relationship being forged. Australia has just broken ranks with the United States to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. Look, they tried to hide it, Prue, but Labor's allegiances are very much for all to see now, aren't they? Oh, they sure are. Well, I, mean, I think uh, Penny Wong had barely sat her backside on the, uh, the, the seat when she was named foreign minister and changed the recognition of West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That's right. I mean, they've, they've, you know, they have always been more pro-Palestine, uh, pro the Muslim vote, because that's where a lot of their constituents are. Yes. And uh, I think it's quite appalling now that they have done this, that they've joined with Canada, Canada and New Zealand and they're criticising Israel uh, and wanting them to uh, have this ceasefire and release hostages, obviously, the Hamas people. But the thing is that Hamas is hanging on every word that they're saying. They're welcoming this international call for a ceasefire, of course, because they, they're they being pummeled to be over. They don't yeah. want... They don't want to be pummeled anymore. They want to resume power. And until Israel does deliver a total eradication of Hamas, they're never going to be safe. We know that. And the world is not going to be safe. And it also tells all these other, like the Hezbollah groups, the, you know, uh, Huta, uh, the works, the, all, of the, all of the activists and the terrorists out there that we're weak, that we will, you know, run with our tails between our legs. And, you know, we just cannot give, do anything but give Israel the support it needs. And the whole world is actually, you know, turning on them. And, you know, they don't realise that this weakness is going to actually empower Hamas and the other terrorists around the world. All right, let's go from Gaza to not that far away to Dubai. The 80,000 climate 
evangelists. I can't believe there's 80,000 over there, but anyway, <laughs> including our own climate minister, Chris Bowen, uh, they are obviously double-cheeking and double-kissing each other at the moment. Um, they're very dirty because there's only a few hours left to forge an agreement on phasing out fossil fuels. It doesn't look like it'll happen. But watch Bowen when he returns, Prue. He'll be ensuring that Australia makes a decision about phasing out fossil fuels, irrespective of what the rest of the world is doing, which means we will deplete our wealth. We will deplete our living standards, which will make no difference to the temperature of the planet. But it's ideological, so he'll pursue it, won't he? Oh, totally. I mean, he's a puffed-up peacock. He'll come back as the big man. I showed them. I'm the hero. All of these people have capitulated and played a stop to Dubai, who was hosting the, the cop-out conference. Uh, but really, he's a huge joke. I'd say the world's laughing at him and laughing at us. You know, the man is a fantasist. He's, he's absolutely obsessed with flogging this anti-fuel thing to death. He doesn't realise fossil fuel thing to death. He doesn't acknowledge the fact that there we have charmers, puffed up charmers talking about how wonderful he was in economic prowess because he got us into, well, firstly, originally, you know, we had an improvement in the budget. We we're really doing well. And now it's looking like it may not be a full, uh, you know, a full budget uh, positive, but we're going to have, a situation where we've eliminated a lot of our debt, not only because of the resources and the commodities that that are being demonised by labour. You know, we wouldn't be living this lifestyle if we didn't have those natural resources. And when you think of what we have here, including uranium, we are so lucky and we're losing our competitive advantage because we've got this moron who's ignoring it and then telling us lies, saying that nuclear is is more expensive he's always been sprouting this data which doesn't factor in the real cost of no. what he's flogging with his renewables can data i can i just expensive. tell you i had a uh, get together this morning with someone in the know within the liberal party they are preparing to release a document in 2024 which has a comprehensive thorough costing of every source of power that we could possibly get access to, that is nuclear, that is solar power, that is wind turbines, etc. coal. And when you look at the start to finish lifespan over 100 years of all sources of power, nuclear and small modular reactors are one third the cost over 100 years than the so-called cheapest renewables. Uh, they're of holding course. on to that and they will release that in 2024 and I think it'll pack a punch leading into the election. I agree with you. And, you know, we know that he is, Bowen is hiding the, the real cost of renewables and he's always just uh, said, you know, it's the process is not part of it. There's sunk costs. We don't have to worry about that. And he's also conning others to pay for a lot of it. But meanwhile, yeah. we're making China rich, and we're going down the toilet. And thankfully, more and more Australians are facing the realism of what this energy is all about, and it's a wake-up call. And I'm just hoping, I think that more and more Australians are very receptive to nuclear already, 
But, you know, the the Liberal Party is going to be on a big winner here if they do that and obviously differentiate themselves because we never had a problem with energy before these fools came in and started tinkering with it. We were were able to afford our energy bills and we didn't have this crisis we're facing. It's just an absolute joke and let's hope the guy gets taught a lesson, a very hard lesson during the next election. All right. Channel 10 TV host Lisa Wilkinson is expected to begin giving evidence either late this afternoon or early tomorrow at the Bruce Lerman defamation trial, which, of course, was the one triggered by 10's insistence that Brittany Higgins was raped inside Parliament House. But first, Prue, how is this TV producer, Llewellyn, uh, Angus Llewellyn, saying today he didn't think that Higgins's boyfriend, David Shiraz, had a political agenda? I mean, the guy's credibility is shot, if he had any anyway. Uh, we even had, thanks to Shari Markson on Sky, you know, release of a tape where the bloke, Shiraz, was, I call it colluding. He was having a drink with, uh, you know, Higgins' lawyer. And this was totally in contempt of court, uh, but basically being schooled on what she should say. Now, why was Shiraz taking that advice? In the middle of the trial. Uh, unbelievable. You know, and as a woman, I have to say, I would suspect most women, if they thought they had been raped, you wouldn't think to go to the media before you went to the do- a doctor and a police officer, would you? You know, I no, mean, it just doesn't make sense. And when you think that there's been evidence produced where they're talking about the timing of it. They wanted to make sure that the story was broken with Channel 10 during the parliamentary sitting week. And then, of course, that would allow the Labor Party to probe, issue questions in question time and embarrass the government. And it worked. Morrison was kicked out. I don't believe it was only because of that. But But it was politicised, terribly politicised. It was. So the whole thing smells. I've got grave concerns about uh, the inconsistencies in Higgins' account of events. I think the whole thing and Lerman's account of events. And I have to say, I don't think anyone's going to win out of this, but let's hope the right person doesn't win. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? The wrong I'm with you. I'm with win. you. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> I'll come back in a second, Prue McSween. We'll talk further, including when sport mixes with politics, which is like oil and water. We'll be back with Prue on TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing but subsequently liberating. Uh, Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive. 
That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. I've got Prue McSween with me. Now, the Federal Treasurer is talking up a big game in this mid-year budget. He's had a consecutive budget surplus. And, of course, that you shouldn't overread that stuff because you can manipulate statistics to give yourself a surplus, and it doesn't matter what party you're from. A $12.8 billion improvement in the bottom line, it says. An economic rebound coming in the second half of 2024. I do hope he's right with that. What are your thoughts on Jim Chalmers, and what are your thoughts on the fact that there is nothing done at all to try and help push down inflation and nothing done at all to help people in middle Australia cope with their massive mortgages? Well, you know, I call him spin doctor Jim Chalmers because his PhD wasn't in economics, you know. I mean, the bloke's an academic. It was on Paul Keating. Yeah, he hasn't got a bloody clue. That's right. And And when you think about it, you know, you look at these numbers, it's just eye-glazing to the rest of us. We know that the average Joe and Jane knows that it ain't adding up. Whatever he wants to say, they are the ones who are copying and doing all this heavy lifting because the government ain't doing it. You know, the RBA's done what it can and it's hurting. It's hurting mainstream Australia, those with a mortgage. Uh, but then we have the situation where he's expecting us to do that heavy lifting by paying the highest interest rates that we've ever had. Um, Mm. We're paying higher taxes. Look at that. You know, I mean, the revenue pie, we're paying as much tax as corporate Australia is. And that's why we're feeling it. We're paying more for everything. You go on the, drive your car, you, you turn a light on, you try and feed your kids, you'll pay your rent. It's all of us who are feeling it and going backwards. And you just have to say that this bloke, while he's trying to, he's obsessed with establishing himself and Labor as good economic managers because it's always been their Achilles heel. But everything they've done is sending us backwards. We, they never had a mandate for Big Australia. Has they ever, no. Have they ever asked us if we want that? And while no. they're doing it because it's trying to help them make their numbers stack up, what the, these dumbasses are not realising is that it's increasing inflation. That, you know, on one hand, the RBA is trying to, 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 to fix it. The government, government's never done anything. They've allowed the unions to strike these IR deals that are not focused on productivity and, again, a force rages up. Uh, they won't cut immigration. It hasn't cut its spending. And you just think they haven't got a bloody clue. And meanwhile, I just hope that everyone understands that while he's trying to build a bit of a war chest for, you know, next budget because he wants to con us all and he will con a lot of people by throwing some, you know, arms at them, whatever they're going to do. They might give them a few little things that's going to make them feel good. But just remember, this mob lied before they were elected. They continue to lie. They haven't got a clue and they're killing Australia. So that's what we've got to keep remembering. Yeah, I spoke with Greg Canavan yesterday from Fat Tail. He's an investment researcher, and he actually says because of Bowen's uh, emphatic views on renewables, which he says the public has cottoned on to, 
And because of Albanese's flying around the world and nothing done about inflation while Australians hurt so much, he reckons they'll be a one-hit wonder. I agree. I actually think that the stars are aligning for the rest of us who care about whether this mob get re-elected. And people have woken up. I think that Dutton's found his mojo and he's mm. understanding much more than this mob what really matters to Australians. We don't give a codswallop about anything woke. They keep going on with all this crap. And, you know, we just want to know that our kids are going to have a better life than we have, and they're not. At this stage, our kids are going to have a shocking time. And we know that we, in our old age, are going to be suffering. There is, in everywhere you look, Australia's gone backwards. And it's going to go worse under this. Once Bowen, if he realises his dream, then we are going to be the surfs, the third world country, another third world country in the Pacific. Yeah. Now, two quick ones. Um, Just in case you were all confused, it's now very clear that the unions run the country when Labor governments come to power. They're certainly running Queensland. They got rid of the Premier there. They've had a huge role in who the deputy pre- who who the new premier would be the deputy premier, um, but they better better make hay while the sun shines, as we say, because Albanese's Labor Party it, it could be a one term wonder. Is it an interesting how they can change the leadership? Like Anastasia Palaszczuk, you could tell from the tears on Sunday, she did not want to leave that post. Well, it's just been again validation of what we've all known or suspected that. The unions, because they carry the purse strings, they run Labor, whether it's federal or state. And we see that with the millions of dollars they manage. They're now, they've all, all these ex-Labia premiers and henchmen, apparatchiks are all now running the the super funds, the industry super funds, and want to get their hands on the trillions of dollars there. Your money, they're going to be managing and they're going to funnel it to projects, vanity projects they like, And that will help the union movement. Mm. And, you know, this is the problem. It's so dangerous. Having Labor in any position of government is a worry, but having it across virtually the whole of Australia is a a disaster for us. Yeah, I think so. Now, finally, um, the latest on Australia's star cricket batsman, Usman Khawaja, it appears that he will be forced to back down from his plans to wear shoes with human rights messages on them during tomorrow's test match against Pakistan because the International Cricket Council, forget about Cricket Australia, the International Cricket Council has intervened and warned him there could be serious repercussions. Now, what we do know was that Kawaja was planning to wear shoes with the words, freedom is a human right and all lives are equal. Uh, written on them during the match in Perth. Uh, Cricket Australia is understood to have received a call from the ICC warning of the consequences. Now, Usman is a highly principled character, Prue. Um, He was very determined to wear these shoes. Now, I I thought freedom is a human right. I thought that was far better connected to the captivity of hostages as opposed to the rights of Palestinians. However, apparently it's pro-Palestinian. All lives are equal. I get that bit, but let's not forget the hostages. And he'll be told no. Now, he's probably been told that this afternoon in Perth. I wonder what he'll do. 
Oh, he'll have to back down, and I'm sure he will. Well, Cummins said at a media conference that he won't be wearing them, so they've obviously had words with him. But, you know, what absolutely inflames me is that all lives are equal except if you're Jewish. You know, it's just appalling that this bloke and all the all the pro-Palestinian protesters around the world are intent on one thing, to wipe the Jews off the planet and, you know, they, they're they condoning Hamas at the same time. You know, they conveniently forget what's been happening over there to their own people and, yeah. and of course, the brainwashing that's been going on. So, of course, a lot of their own people now are very anti-Jew and want to wipe them off the face of the earth. But, you know, this bloke has form. You remember he was, uh, he took on the Gold Coast uh, government because, uh, you know, he's, he's, he said that Queensland cricket was going to go broke with the Gabba rebuild. Now, he might be right there. But, you know, he's, he's a political animal. And yeah, he likes his politics. Not, yeah, let's not forget that all of the bloody, well, most of the team during that whole Fasfield BLM thing took the knee. You know, yeah, the, the captain has been leading, the, the, exactly. leading the, the charge here. And none of us, none of us want political slogans any kind of platform in sport that is deviates from what sport's all about. It's our relief. Yeah. It's our time to get away from all this stuff. And we do not need our sports stars of any ilk starting to dip into politics and virtue signaling. Well you know, said. I'd rather see them out of the bloody side if he's going to continue yeah. I'll, doing I'll, that I'll keep kind of watching stuff. and indulging in politics if I want to keep politics in my brain. I want sport in my brain to get rid of the politics. Well said. That's right. Thank you so much for your time, <laughs> Thanks, Great to catch Sorry up. About the camera. <laughs> That's okay. We'll catch up again. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Prue McSween from Verve Communications. Scott has sent me an email, Smithy and Prue, he addresses the email too. It's all well and good to bag Labor, justified, but at least Labor stab you in the chest. The LNP, since Abbott was act, stabs you in the back. They keep leaning left and losing voters to small fringe parties. You're right there. I'm done with the LNP. They have blood on their hands regarding COVID vaccines. That's Scott's view on all of that. Let's take a break. Got to get you some news. And then after that, it is Cyber Wednesday. We're heading down the technological path with Alex Zaharoff Roy. Do not go anywhere. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. What time is it? Now, TNT Radio News. You know what time it is? Yeah. Time to read some news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Washington's top Republican has rejected Ukraine's pleas for more cash. The US Supreme Court looks set to fast-track its ruling on whether Donald Trump is covered by presidential immunity. The UN General Assembly has demanded an immediate ceasefire in Gaza following an overwhelming vote. And a Turkish politician has suffered a heart attack live on television, collapsing on the floor of Parliament mere moments after wishing the wrath of Allah upon Israel. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is TNT and uh, I'm always looking forward to this segment because it tells me more than I need to know about technology, all those things that I have no clue about. Alex explains it so well, so it gets us all on the track. He is the... Uh, of course, the founder and also convener of a fabulous website called techadvice.life. Um, he doesn't just run 
ads for tech firms with their new devices. He analyzes what's happening in the tech world, which is why we have him on the program. Alex Zaharoff-Royt, have you got jet lag coming back from San Francisco? A little bit, yeah. I didn't get much sleep on the plane last night and I'm waiting until tonight so I can have a proper sleep and then get back into the rhythm of things. But uh, all good. I'm very excited to be here. Great to join you. And all So the what do you listeners. do if you're on long flights, if you're travelling from, say, you know, America to Australia or vice versa, do you have a plan to get to sleep or you don't? Look, I try and sleep a little bit on the plane. I do actually have some uh, Valerian root uh, tablets, which uh, actually help you sleep. And I've tried them on the plane and they do work. I mean, they can help you if you get to the other country and you want to go to sleep without actually having Ambien or some of these uh, medical drugs that sort of really zonk you out. Uh, but otherwise, you just wait until nighttime and, and you just have a really good sleep. And the next morning you wake up and, you know, you, if, you're, if you're youthful enough, then you recover quickly. Otherwise, you might take a couple of days. All right. You're in San Fran where you attended the AMD Advancing AI event. What were the big announcements? Sure. Well, they had a new processor for desktop computers for your Windows notebooks. Uh, they launched early this year the 7040, uh, which is a, a chip for notebook computers. And they had a, they've now got the 8040, second generation, second generation AI brain. Uh, they've got a new chip for supercomputers that power the likes of the chat GPT, and they have a competition for developers to create some of these incredible apps that can take full advantage of all of the AI smarts that are now built in to all of AMD's you know, latest computers. Wow. That sounds like um, a lot of AI. We want to talk about AI a little bit later, but I think most computer users glaze over when they hear about the performance of chips. Um, it's certainly beyond my comprehension. But what's the big deal with the new Ryzen 840 chip for laptops? Yes, yes. Uh, the Ryzen, uh, like like Ryzen Shine, is the, their brand of chip. And when they launched them about five or six years ago, they blew away the world because they were a lot more powerful and more dynamic and they had more cores and more, more power, basically, than Intel. Intel had been coasting along for more or less a decade and not really trying very hard. AMD came along and really... Uh, up the ante. But what they've done is exactly the same. They've been up in the ante ever since. And so early this year, they launched the first chip for Windows computers that had an AI brain. Now, every smartphone, every tablet has a thing called a neural engine inside the chip. And that's where your phone can uh, automatically sort out all the photos uh, in your photo library based on how many, what, what the faces are, what pets you have, or it can cut out the background noise when you're on a busy street. People could just hear your voice. There's many different things that AI can can do. They even used AI recently, for example, with the Beatles song where they took John Lennon's yeah. voice off a cassette that had all the audio and they, could, they couldn't do it before. With AI, they could isolate his voice. And so having a Windows computer that has the AI chip inside means that Microsoft Windows 11, for example, has a built-in AI co-pilot. Uh, and this means that when it's doing all that AI stuff, it's not chewing up the, pro the cycles of the main chip and all the graphics. It's got this separate brain that's doing all that work. And a lot of programs, the Adobe Photoshops and lots of different programs are now using uh, these AI features. And if you don't have an AI brain, you're slowing the rest of the computer down. So uh, AMD, within the same year they launched the first generation, they've just launched the second generation, and they'll be on the market in the first quarter of next year. And so if you're looking to buy a computer, Intel says they're going to launch AI and all their chips, but they haven't launched a single one yet. AMD's already on their second generation, which is just wow. showing how fast they're going. Yeah. Now, just in terms of giving people an idea of how fast chips are developing, the new 
uh, M1300X chip for advanced AI supercomputers is almost twice as good as the chip that powered ChatGPT, am I right? That's right, yes. The NVIDIA H100 is the chip that is sold for between 25 thousand and forty thousand us dollars per chip and inside of the super supercomputers that power chat gpt there can be dozens to hundreds of these chips and so nvidia has reached a trillion dollar valuation this year based on the fact that they have the chip that has been powering this revolution wow. but amd has actually been working on its chips for a long time too and in fact people like facebook and microsoft and others are all even open ai want to develop their own chips but amd is has been uh, working on chips for more than 50 years, like Intel. And this new MI300X chip is nearly twice as fast as the H100 at a lower price. And uh, if I have a look here, uh, you know, there's Microsoft is going to use it. Uh, Meta, which is Facebook, they're going to use it. Oracle, the largest data center infrastructure providers are planning to use this chip, specialized AI cloud provider. So AMD has now got the most powerful chip for AI in the business. And obviously they're going out full board to let everyone know that they've got it and they're expecting a lot of orders and it's going to be push the AI revolution faster, forward, even faster. Now, I could imagine there would be millions of startups out there, millions of nerds, computer nerds, who are trying to develop their own apps with AI as their foundation. There's a new competition in this space, is there? Yeah, well, AMD, of course, having so much AI potential and smarts and hardware and also software, they have software platforms that help developers to do this. So they're saying push the boundaries of AI. They have a developer com uh, contest uh, and they are inviting developers to, you know, really show their stuff and come up with the killer apps that are going to be something that everyone is going to want to use and download and to add AI features to various apps. And we're going to talk in a moment about some of the things that Google has done for their Pixel phone. They've been infusing AI. So this is a push to get the developers really getting their juices flowing. And so this competition is out there. And when I was at the event, I was saying, you should also have some sort of a competition for consumers. You know, Just like in the 50s, they asked school kids, what do you think life will be like in the year 2000? Well, find out from consumers what they wish their computers could do with all these magical AI superpowers. And uh, so, look, they, they said, well, we should have you on our marketing team. I don't know if they're going to do anything about it, but certainly they're working with the developers who are the ones who write the apps and the programs that we download and use on our phones and tablets and computers every day. So they're doing everything they can to, to accelerate the AI. Uh, I, I think you'd potential. make a good marketing consultant, Alex. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> Apple, all right, here we go. Apple has launched a new operating system update. It's got some bug fixes, some security fixes, but also some new features. Yes, yeah, so if you've got an iPhone, an iPad, an Apple Watch, a Mac, a HomePod, an Apple TV, updates are there. So you're talking about iOS and iPadOS 17.2. And look, my website has all the details and all the version numbers. But if you're an iPhone user, all the way back to the iPhone 10R and all the way up to the iPhone 15, there's a new app called Journal. So Journal is where you can journal uh, your gratitude for amazing things that have happened in your life. You can take notes and add videos and you can have this sort of journal that is uh, a, a like almost like a diary, personalized diary. This was announced at the Worldwide Developer Conference middle of this year, and it's finally just been launched in the last week. There's also uh, the action button on the side of the iPhone 15 Pro and Max. You can also now add a translation button so it can be a live translation for you. Uh, the camera on the iPhone 15 range, you've got two, I'm looking at the back of my camera right now as I'm speaking to you, and there's three lenses there, and the iPhone can use both lenses at the same time to capture 3D 
photos and videos. And when you've got the headset, the Apple Vision Pro headset that's coming in the first quarter of next year, and they already showed what some of this video looks like, although you really don't understand it until you put it on. But it's it's unlike any 3D. It's not like the 3D from 3D TVs. You actually feel like you're in the space. It's the closest thing to recording actually being there. So they've launched the update so that if you've got an iPhone 15 and you start taking photos and videos, when you do eventually get uh, Apple uh, Vision Pro headset or one of the other headsets that will presumably copy this feature, you will already have a whole suite of photos and videos. And look, there's there's plenty of other things with messages. On the watch, you can now swipe through the different watch faces that took that away, that brought it back. There's up there's bug fixes and updates. Check it all out at uh, techadvice.life to see all the details. Fantastic. Let's go over to Google now. Uh, they've been busy as well and have released it their new Pixel feature for Christmas, which promises to make recent Pixel smartphones even better newer yes yes well just as apple launches new features for their smartphones uh, so does google and so google has a thing called the feature drop and every few months they come out with one so the december one uh, came out seven days ago now unlike with apple where everybody can download the new update at once this has taken this will roll out over a few weeks my update only came today it's been available right. for the last seven days but uh, you will now have a thing called gemini nano so this is like ChatGPT built into the phone itself so it doesn't have to go to the internet to, to get information for you google has three versions of this gemini what ultra for the, you know huge computer systems and the this nano that lives on your phone but there's plenty more features let me just quickly quickly go through them so if you take uh, a voice recorder notes and it, it's automatically transcribing that it can summarize the meeting you were just part of and recording for the last hour. It can actually not only give you the text, but give you a summary. Uh, you've got a smart reply capability when you're typing on the keyboard. Uh, you've got um, videos that are, are not shaky anymore. It can it can unblur videos in the cloud. It can make the shaky videos uh, nice and smooth again. Uh, you've got time lapse that you, you can record after dark. If you're recording videos at nighttime, it can brighten them up for you as though it's almost like it's daylight. So that's another feature. Um, as I said before, the photo unblurring. Uh, you've got high quality video calls from your computer. So every Pixel smartphone down to the Pixel 5a, which is three years old, you can now plug it in to your computer and use it as a webcam, much better than the webcam that's on built into your computer. I'm talking through my iPhone's webcam, the, the iPhone camera on the back, which is much better than the one on my Mac. You can also, if you take uh, scans of receipts or you've got a document that's got like a, a, a pet's, you know, dirty paw mark, you can just wipe your finger over the, the paw mark and it will, you can just erase it. So you can oh, take scans of things and <laughs> erase copied stains on receipts. Yeah. And all sorts of little things. I mean, there's, there's plenty more features there. I've got the link and there's a, there's a video that shows you all the different features. But, you know, I mean, look, other companies do this too. Uh, you know, other companies also release feature updates, but Google Pixel now has a lot of users. And if you're a Pixel user, there's an update for you and there's tons of new little features that make your phone feel new again. I always wonder what people are searching for on Google. Now, Google has actually released the top search results for 2023. Are you able to give us a uh, very mini world search of those searches? Yes. Now, on uh, Google's trends page, they've got actually a trends for pretty much every country in the world. But for Australia, the top five news events were the Optus outage, the war in Israel and Gaza, referendum results, Andrew Tate and the earthquake in Melbourne. Andrew got, Tate in Andrew Australia. Tate 
Yeah, according to Google, and they would know because they're you know doing wow. the majority of the world searches. They've got a list of top Aussies, a list of people we lost during 2023, top movies like Oppenheimer and Barbie, um, top recipes, top sports. Now, in that, so that's for Australia. In the US, it's the war in Israel and Gaza. The Titanic submarine was number two for news. Hurricane mm -hmm. Hillary, number three. Hurricane Idalia and Hurricane Lee. And um, then right. for the UK, uh, the top uh, people, celebrities, were Hugh Edwards, the uh, BBC newsreader who was involved in a scandal, Philip Schofield, also involved in a scandal, Russell Brand, also involved in a scandal. That's Andrew interesting. Tate. So so hang on, that tells us that the UK, the Brits, love their gossip and love their scandal. I think they do, yeah, according to the, the trends. And, uh, I mean, it's all there. You can have a look. If you're from a different country, you know, come to my site, click on the article about the Google Trends and search for your country. And there's also a video that shows the top 25 trends from the past 25 years. So uh, there's a little short video that goes through that. And obviously it's a it's a time travel, time capsule of all sorts of interesting things you'll remember if you've been alive and, uh, you know, you've been a, an adult for the past 25 years. But, yeah, always interesting to see what people are searching for and where, and it gives you an extra insight into people and the world. Yeah. that That is really interesting because I'm just looking at the list involving what's been Googled most in the United States. It seems mm. to be disasters that uh, predominate. And then you've got gossip in the UK and then something different in Australia. We are different people despite our allegiances and our similarities. It's extraordinary. Absolutely. Long may the differences a, continue. Yeah. I've got to take a quick break. We'll come back, Alex, in just a second, talking about scams and other issues in the cyber world right after this on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Uh, the latest leftist attacks against Donald Trump claim he's going to be a dictator in a second Trump administration. And Chris Wallace on CNN playing along uh, put the question to Raihan Salam of National Review. So Raihan, is Donald Trump a dictator in waiting or is he just playing with? Well, look, what he was saying in that moment is something very similar to what Barack Obama said back in 2014. At his first cabinet meeting, he said, I've got a pen and I've got a phone. And what he meant by that is that if Congress does not do what I want them to do, I can sign executive actions and I can use my phone to rally outside groups to create pressure on Congress to get things done. And this is what he was just referring to. I'm going to be working with Congress where I can to accomplish this. But I'm also going to act on my own uh, if uh, Congress is deadlocked. I've got a pen to take executive actions where Congress won't, and I've got a telephone to rally folks around the country uh, on this mission. Executive orders, rallying people via the, the phone, sounds a little dictatorial to me. Uh, context and perspective. They are fake news killers. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio Vision. What do I love about riding? It's the thrill. The excitement. Riding gives me a sense of freedom. I feel so connected to the road. Riding is like therapy to me. It makes me feel alive. Love riding? Back off. Thanks for listening and being a part of The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got Alex Zaharoff-Royt with us from Tech 
www.vice.live. Experts at a scams awareness have used AI to reimagine songs, but with a message to help you avoid being a victim. Please explain this. Well, if you ever want your kids to learn a poem, it's obviously something that, oh, you know, they don't want to do it. But if you ask them to spout the lyrics of the whatever the hit song is, kids know it. So obviously having music and having, you know, catchy lyrics can help people to remember things. And so it's obviously the season to be savvy. And uh, the experts at scams.info put together some AI rewritten Christmas songs. So they've rewritten All I Want for Christmas from Mariah Carey. They've rewritten uh, another song uh, called... Uh, Hark the, Sh- the Savvy Shoppers Sing, which was from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. They've rewritten uh, <laughs> Hang on, hang on, Night. hang on. I don't want to know a list. I want to know whether you can sing one of these songs. Well, here we go. Silent night, secure online. All is calm, protect thy sign. <laughs> Round yon passwords, keep them tight. Holy cyber, avoid the fight. Sleep in scam-free peace. Sleep in scam-free <laughs> peace, and it goes on and on. And I know, want the job. I want the job at this scam awareness site where you actually sit down and write this stuff. Well, uh, AI wrote uh, it. You see, they got it. they got AI to rewrite it, so they didn't even do it. They they got some uh, you know ChatGPT to do it, which is what you can do these days. I mean, I shouldn't get it to write a poem about TNT Radio or about Chris Smith or about yes, you know, <laughs> see what it comes up with. I do I like the idea of that now? Yeah. On the topic of scams, a global consumer alliance is urging governments worldwide to require tech companies to protect people from scams. Nine out of 10 Aussies are supportive of strong penalties, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is, again, part of the uh, the choice, uh, you know, consumer advocate people in Australia. Uh, they've joined over 20 consumer groups from 19 countries in a joint international statement calling on governments to require social media and other tech companies to implement stronger protections against the growing risk of online scams. And look, we know that uh, people like David Koshy, a famous uh, Australian TV presenter, uh, all sorts of famous people, Dick Smith, another Australian famous uh, explorer, but I'm sure it would be the same in the US and the UK. You see pictures of them beaten up and, or, yeah. or, you know, had some sort of accident. And it's a scam to try and sell you scam. cryptocurrency or something else. And scams arrive, scams are everywhere. And the, the, um, you know, the, the search engines and the social media platforms are making money from these scams. They could block them and they're not doing it. And that's why there's this call from governments and from consumer organizations for the, to, to clamp down on the social media networks. I mean, we don't want to clamp down on free speech, but we don't want to be scammed. Uh, you know, royally either. If it is blatant scamming and it's got nothing to do with free speech, I'm all for it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And that, look, this is why this movement has sprung up and not enough is being done. So, uh, you know, I hope, I wish them success. Yeah. Um, with the ACCC having fined major car companies last week for breaches surrounding proper warnings for button batteries used in car fob remote controls, we really should be careful with battery-powered toys this Christmas, right? Absolutely. You've got those little button batteries in all sorts of you know, Christmas lights. And look, they're supposed to be, the batteries are supposed to be sealed now. It's, you can't just buy them so easily. They're, they're double sealed. You've got to use scissors to cut them out. But they can be in, in different toys and games. And young kids, if they swallow them, they can burn through their esophagus and they can end up with years of problems. And it's, it also harks back to the ACCC's warning that we spoke about a few weeks ago, where if you've got older batteries and older devices that are starting to expand, you know, if you've got a, e-scooter for example whatever you do don't 
charge it inside the house. People have uh, had their batteries explode because those e-scooters uh, and toys can be treated roughly. If the batteries get damaged, they can explode. They can put poisonous gases. People have died. And so you've got to be very careful with batteries. We will eventually one day have much safer battery technology, but we don't live in that reality at the moment. No. And so be careful about button batteries, about lithium batteries. Treat them carefully and safely and make sure you charge you know, electric scooters and things outside. So if there is a fire, it doesn't burn your whole house down. All right. Now, I'm warning our listeners not to get scared by this, but there's a fresh piece of news out today that the world's first supercomputer capable of brain scale simulation is being built in Australia. Tell me more. Yes, this has come from the University of Western Sydney. I've got a link to it on my site, and they've got this great picture of this sort of neural brain uh, with this giant computer called Deep South, which reminds me of Deep Thought, the computer from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is claimed to be the world's first supercomputer capable of simulating networks at the scale of the human brain, and uh, it's it's got a newer morphic system which mimics biological processes utilising hardware to efficiently efficiently emulate large networks of spiking neurons at 228 trillion synaptic operations per uh, per second, which is rivaling the estimated rate of operations of the human brain. And uh, they say what sets this apart from other supercomputers is that it's purpose-built to operate like networks of neurons, which we have in our brains, requiring less power and enabling greater efficiencies. And this contrasts, they say, with supercomputers optimized for more traditional computing loads, which are usually more power-hungry. So again, you know the the, um, the like it's like that that, that hockey stick that uh, Al Gore spoke about. But instead of you know the exponential growth in global climate disasters, which are all hoaxes and nonsense, as Joe Bastardi likes to tell us on TNT Radio, uh, we are seeing this exponential growth in technology and yeah. all the sci-fi things I dreamt about and read about as a kid. They're all coming true. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, NBN is crowing about its extended reach. Yes, they are talking about millions more Aussies are ready for 18 times faster NBN. Now, 18 times faster is compared against the 50 megabit speeds that many people have. This will take you to about 900 megabits, which is around about a gigabit. So that's a thousand megabits. Now, in the old days when we had ADSL, you know, and they were talking about fraud band was less than one megabit. And look, in places like Hong Kong and Japan, they've got one gigabit, two gigabits. We now finally, after many years, have something similar. And Google is even talking about 20 gigabits. So, I mean, the internet's getting faster and faster, but 3 million homes and businesses can now get the fiber connected all the way to their premises, which is what the Labor government originally wanted to do, but was too expensive for the Liberal Party to put into place. Uh, This means that, um, you know, many more millions of people are going to get access to the fastest speeds possible. An additional 400,000 homes and businesses have been announced as part of this program. And there's, uh, if you go to uh, the MBN website, uh, and I'll have it on my website later on, there's a bunch of different suburbs that can get it. I mean, you will have to pay more to get this faster speed, but you, you know, your d- uploads and downloads, your backups to the cloud, all the updates that come through, movies you download, everything will be happening so much faster. And it's the upgrade we need to keep us competitive in the 21st century. One last one before we let you go. I've run out of time. Samsung is spending 700 million euros to build an advanced semiconductor research plant in the Netherlands. What's the technology connection between South Korea and the Dutch? 
Well, there's a Dutch tech giant called ASML, and so they're very big with semiconductors. And of course, Samsung makes a lot of uh, chips for their own phones and for other people. And uh, I think they're actually they're making the chips for Google as well in their smartphones. So there's there's a great synergy between the two of them. They're both technological powerhouses. You probably didn't realize that the Netherlands was a tech powerhouse, but they are. This company is. And uh, the deal was announced by the South Korean president, and uh, as part of a trip, uh, day one of his trip to the to the Netherlands. So look, it's companies working together. I mean, we had Huawei opening a, a factory in France. So you've got, you know, Korean and, and even Chinese companies moving their factories out of China. So it's, it's great sort of, you know, making sure that technology is available all over the world, not concentrated into one place. And uh, Samsung is just hedging its bets and working with uh, you know partners that are on the same wavelength. Do you think that they learnt through the pandemic that you can't have your eggs in the one basket? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, all countries. Why Australia had used to have a great manufacturing base. So did the US. Uh, the UK was a nation of shopkeepers. Now we're all just consumers. You know, we need to start making things again all over the world, so that we're not beholden to any one country or any one philosophy. And these are signs that that is happening. Yeah, great stuff, Alex. I've got to run. Thank you so much for that massive terabit of information. Absolutely. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Techadvice.life is his website, techadvice.life. Alex Zaharoff-Royt. We always love having him on the program. Very briefly, from the Daily Mail, a fly-in, fly-out worker, a FIFO worker, has broken down the ludicrous amount of money he's been able to earn by working in the mines in Australia. And I know people around the world travel to Australia to work in mines, away from their family, away from their friends, uh, stuck down a mine, but it's big money. Cal McElwain, an Irishman on a working holiday visa, has saved $45,000 in four and a half months since getting a job in the Pilbara region in WA. Mr McElwain admitted there were many cons to the job, such as isolation, but ultimately decided it was worth it given how much money he was able to make. He uh, flagged one major downside revealing workers typically pull more than double the average work hours in a week, indicating the job was not for the faint-hearted. Uh, there's a video of him on Daily Mail. You can watch him uh, tell you what he earns. As a newbie, Mr McElwain was initially put on a starting salary of $33.50 per hour, which Mr McElwain said was easy to save since companies provide meals and accommodation for workers during their stay. That's all covered. It's obviously very hard, he says. You're working long hours. It's dirty work in the heat, but you're also getting paid a lot. He revealed that he gets $3,470 in the first week because the Monday is spent traveling to the Pilbara and $3,944 for the second and third week since he can work every day, which means Monday alone is worth $474. Workers get paid differently depending if they are permanent or they're on a contract and if they're on a flat rate or an hourly rate. An hourly rate provides workers with penalties like double pay on a Sunday, while a flat rate just pays them a fixed $60 per hour without penalties. But he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying the camaraderie and, uh, he should um, be happy where he is in the Pilbara of WA. I've got to run. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. 